Hey everyone, welcome to Savage to Sage, where we explore the evolution of entrepreneurs. In this show, we hear from leaders on the challenges and breakthroughs that have shaped them on their journey toward becoming a sage. Hey everyone, welcome to the Savage uh, to Sage podcast. I have the pleasure of introducing to you Scott Grojan, the CEO of Silverback, the expense reduction expert. He has been the CEO there for the past 12 plus years. Scott, we're excited to have you on the show. Kyle, thanks. I'm glad to be here. So can you tell me, um, you know, a, a concise kind of, you know, path or journey of professional bio of how you got to where you are today? Absolutely. So Kyle, I, I grew up in South Dakota during college, I did an internship with a trucking company, and it, I mostly did it because I needed the credit. Um, I had really no interest in trucking at the time. I got there and I kind of liked it. And so right after college, I worked for several different trucking companies. Once you work in an industry and you understand how the product is priced, you've got some knowledge that's really valuable to companies like ours. I jumped to the other side of the fence, and this was uh, back in 2007. And I started helping clients save money on their trucking or their transportation spend. Um, so I, up until 2007, I was in trucking and then I jumped fence um, and then I started helping people save money on it. And my, my background as an entrepreneur is a little bit different maybe than some other ones. I didn't start this business. I actually started working here as a subcontractor. I was a guy that when they had a, a project where the, the client was shipping freight, they called me to come in and lend my expertise and help the client save money. And so for several years, I was a subcontractor and I think I did decent work. I did decent enough work that they asked me to come be an employee. And so I came over as an employee in 2011. Through some changes, I bought out at the time, our company was part of a Indianapolis-based CPA firm. So the CPA firm owned half and another gentleman owned half. Um, I bought out his interest in the business in 2013. And then in 2015, I bought out uh, my CPA firm client partner. At, at the end of 2015, we rebranded as Silverback and went out on our own. And here we are. So it's a little bit Completely. This is like typically, typically what we get on the show is kind of like, I had an idea, I had experience, and I started this company. For you to come up through the company, and yeah, that's amazing. I love it. That's great. Yeah. I've had an entrepreneurial spirit my whole professional life. And even when I think back in school, you know, I was, I was mowing lawns, I was shoveling snow, I was doing things to earn extra money. But I, I couldn't take the leap out of corporate America. I loved, let me back up, I didn't love. I was very comfortable in the consistent pay. And I didn't, frankly, I didn't have the confidence to step out and say, I can do this on my own and I can live on whatever, I can, I can eat whatever I kill, so to speak, uh, until a certain point in time. And that's probably, when I look back at an event it's really shaped me as a person and as an entrepreneur. That day when I said, I believe in myself enough to go out and take the step and I can live on whatever it is I do, that was a defining moment for me. Wow. Yep. Yep. 
So let me back up a little bit here. Tell us a little bit about your company. Tell us about the company that you're running. Yeah. So we look at anything an organization spends money on other than labor. So anything other than a human body. We do that all on a straight contingency of the savings. There's a fair amount of risk in what we do, right? Because not only do we have to get the client, but then we have to present them an idea that they like and then save them money before we start to make money. That's an interesting sales cycle, I would imagine. <laughs> it is. It's very interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but but I, I, love, I love what we do. My favorite scenarios are when we're having a conversation with a prospect and the prospect says, hey, I feel like we're pretty good, but you're welcome to take a look. And then we do our work and we come back and there's many, many thousands of dollars in savings. And most of the time, they're just flabbergasted at the work we do and the money that we find that frankly was hidden in the business. Yes. Yes. Okay. I'm thinking about like, at what stage does a potential client, you know, kind of come to you, come to Silverback? You know, is it just kind of like a general inquiry? Like, hey, I think I could be more, you know, like a healthier steward with my business or it's like, yeah, I'm just kind of curious to know how people, you know, come to know about you guys and to say, hey, I need to look into this. Kyle, they generally don't come to us. We have to go find them. Most times an organization, they recognize they need a, an accounting firm or an accountant. They might, or they need a lawyer or an attorney. They obviously know they need a banker and a banking relationship. Frankly, they don't believe they need a cost reduction firm. And so many times the sales cycle is you have to convince them of the concept first. And then after that, that we're the answer to that concept. Uh, so it's a, it's a, I often joke, I really need a degree in psychology instead <laughs> of a degree in business. Um, because I don't understand it. I don't, I don't get it. I don't understand from the, from the company's perspective or the prospect's perspective. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And there's so much value um, in, in value and savings that you're providing organizations, correct? I mean, can you, is there, is there an estimate about like kind of when a client works with you, potential savings that they would see um, through going through Silverback? Yeah. So um, I'll give you some rules of thumb. And of course, for every rule of thumb, there's a million exceptions, right? Yeah. Always, always. Yeah. And so for yeah. example, at a very high level, at a, at a 50,000 foot view, we generally say, hey, there's probably 20, 20-ish percent savings available. Pick a category, right? Now, with that rule of thumb, if we're doing work on utility bills, you think uh, electricity, natural gas, water, it's it might be in the single digits. Conversely, when we do work on uh, like trash or waste, it might be two or three times 20%, depending upon the scenario. So as a good rule of thumb, we say 20%. Certainly, the client and their appetite for change and their appetite for you know, how much they want to cut out drives the actual savings number. Yep. Yep. That makes tons of sense. Well, thank you for sharing, Nick, about, you know, Silverback, 
um, and you know a bit more of those details. I think it's highly valued. I just I love that you're doing that business. So take me back to the story where you're a contractor, yeah, and you're like, hey, I think I want to um, buy out one of the owners of this business. And like, kind of tell me, you know, kind of tell me what led to that decision point. You know, you mentioned that you said, hey, um, I wanted to have the confidence that I could do it. Was it that was it at that point that you had the confidence to do it when you kind of bought into the company? Was it before that, after that? Tell me more about that story. Yeah. So, so again, I started out as a subcontractor, just pulled in on projects, and then I came over as an employee. Okay. And under that employee, under my model there, it was a eat what you kill scenario. And it literally, I would go out and sell the project and then I did the work on the project. Um, and it was at that point in time where I'm like, hey, you've done this for so many years. You can do this and you can be successful at it. Um, and so that was first point. And then I, again, I worked as an employee I came across an opportunity to buy out my the the gentleman that owned it with the CPA firm. I absolutely jumped on that the minute it became available, and, and it was it was awesome, just an awesome experience. No looking back. There was no fear there when you went to go and to to buy in. There was no fear there. All of that had all of that work had been accomplished by kind of the eating what you kill for prior, correct? And it was just kind of like. You're after it. Kind of the the mindset had shifted, correct? Absolutely. Yeah. I had the I had the confidence to say I can absolutely make it on my own. Another test in that scenario, frankly, was when I bought out the CPA firm and and we went on our own. Ironically enough, it wasn't my idea, it was their idea. Okay. Okay. Um and, and what happened, the CPA firm had a lot of different entities that were complementary to the CPA firm, and they were looking to divest in those. And literally, I'm having lunch with my partner that I interacted with most at the CPA firm. And he says, hey, would you want to buy us out and go on your own? And I'm like, yeah. And he says, do you want to talk to your wife? No, I'm good. (laughs) And he says, would you like to think about it? No, I'm good. And several times he came back to me, he says, like, are you sure? And I'm like, absolute. And again, it, that's no slight on them. They were awesome partner, awesome people. But ultimately, I had dreams and desires to be out on my own and be independent. And, and when that opportunity presented itself, I was ready and I took it. That's awesome. Oh, that's very cool. It just seems like there's lots of uh, small lessons that went along your journey and they fit really well together. Like it just, it just kind of progressed really well and naturally. It was, I, I have no, no regrets at all. Not looking back. It's been awesome. It's been a great experience and I, and I love where we are and I love where we're going. That's cool. So what, when you think about kind of like, Hey, if, if there was some kind of, you know, big professional, uh, personal tests, that have been a good teacher for you along this journey. You know what comes to mind when you think about that? Because we all know that, like, you know, running a business, being an entrepreneur, there's lots of lessons that you learn them learn upon the way. 
So has there been like some that kind of stick out to you? Um, there's a lot of them, right? Um, one of them that I always come back to is relationships make the difference always, whether it's with your current clients, uh, whether it's with uh, referral partners, uh, whether it's worth people that you meet at networking events, relationships matter and relationships make the difference. Very, very cool. When you think about, you know, typically when I'm talking to leaders, entrepreneurs, one of the common things that comes up is the potential for burnout. And the way that I like to frame it is, is because when you're starting or scaling up a company, the demand and the intensity is very high um, and that you're giving out a lot, understandably so, with that demand going out a lot, it's easier for you to kind of neglect yourself um, and, you know, potentially like find yourself depleted. Is there practical ways that you invest in yourself that give you fuel for your mission, for your vision, for leading the company at Silverback? I'm pretty rigid in my, in my schedule. Um, and, and, and that's, one of the tools I use to maintain that balance. Um, and an example is my alarm goes off every day at 4.30. Um, and that usually maybe even happens on the weekends as well. Um, and I exercise generally from five to six. Um, and, and it's very rare, but there's been times when I didn't exercise in the morning and I feel like I was off the whole day. Um, so I get up. I eat a little breakfast, I go out, I exercise, and that's really how my day gets started, right? Like I'm exercising, I'm contemplating uh, the things that are happening today, uh, you know, things that need to get done, situations that might occur, and it's really my me time as a way to get, get engaged and get going and get prepared. I'm generally at my office at my desk at 6.30, um, I love my morning time. I'm a morning, as you might imagine, if I get up at 4.30, I'm a morning person. I get here and I start working. Frankly, it's my time to kind of get sorted through my email, get my day planned out, get my tasks done before everyone comes to work. And, you know, because once 8, 8.30 hits, everybody comes to work and the email starts rolling in and, you know, things start start happening. And, and so in the morning, it's my time to exercise get geared up for the day. And then many times, Kyle, I exercise for an hour in the evening as well after dinner. Um, and that's, again, time to you know, contemplate the day, think about what needs to get done tomorrow and that sort of thing. So I'm pretty rigid in my schedule and that's how I, how I do that to, to eliminate burnout. I also love activities, like stuff to do with my hands. And so you might find me building something or you know, remodeling something or whatever, because it's a total shift from what I do, you know, during the workday. That's great. That's great. Can you tell me a bit more about your team and your culture? Um, so like specifically related to um, how do you find your core team members? We find them anywhere you can. Um, I'd go back to the relationship piece. Because of the nature of our work, we're always, we're always learning. We're always exploring new ideas and that's, you know, it's, it's reading, 
it's learning, it's going to educational pieces. But, but a lot of it comes from talking to people and having relationship with people. For example, I met with um, a guy in my circle this morning for coffee, and he said, hey, I know this guy who's doing this that'll help save money on, on semi-trucks when you do this. And I'm like, man, I never heard of it. Right? Like, get me connected. Like, let's have conversation. Um, and so, again, it goes back to relationship, sharing with people what your needs are, you know, offering to help them in their needs and, you know, building those relationships. How do you know when um, somebody in your team kind of gets it? You know, like kind of when you're thinking about your mission and your vision with your organization, how do you know, like, they get it, they understand, they're subscribing to your team's why? Usually it's something that you recognize in their work product or their approach with a client. And, and you know, you sometimes some of the concepts that we that we present or that we do or the methodology that we do, it can be a little complicated. Um, and so you kind of see them maybe struggle isn't maybe the right word, but but maybe they're not as proficient, if you will. And when you work with them on it and you see that they're becoming more and more proficient, and then there's generally just some point in time where it's like they get it. And I don't know that it's a specific event or a specific scenario, but it's really just a point in time when you're like, they totally get it. They totally get it. That's great. One one of the things, you know, that I've observed, you know, kind of when you think about leadership development, you know, developing organizations is that sometimes as a leader, you can say, hey, I need to be the one that kind of takes charge and kind of be the one that shoulders the organization, which is totally rightfully so. And then sometimes what can easily happen is that like employees can kind of maybe not be utilized with their voice and stuff like that because there's kind of this heavy ownership of this leading the organization. I'm having a bad time framing the question, but what, I, what I'm trying to get at is that has, has your employees gifted you with ways to improve either yourself or the business um, that you've served? Has there been practical ways that your employees have just benefited you um, in your leadership? So Kyle, I struggle with that a little bit. I like it done this way, this certain way, and I'm pretty dogmatic about my approach. And so sometimes I can be a little overbearing as it relates to that. And the, 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 the scenario comes into play where they're like, hey, stop, take a minute and look at it from this side. And I appreciate that. But I'm usually pretty hard charging. Um, and I'm pretty set in my way. And I'm, I'm probably set in my destination, frankly. Um, and so that struggle for me to, to like put on the brakes, take a step back, look at it from another angle. Um, and so it's a, I'm a work in progress on that. Mostly work. <laughs> well, I appreciate just how candid you were with that. Like, I know that that's like that. Yeah, it's beautiful. Beautiful. What are, what are some ways that you like practically try to foster like your company's culture? So Kyle, we talked earlier about, you know, that we do this on a contingency of savings and we're equal partners with our client in the savings 50, 50, right? Our culture 
at Silverback is this, our client always gets more than half. And let me, let me elaborate a little more. So that's really hard for a prospect client to get. Um, but there's so many times where we have data as part of our engagement and we see something that needs to be done. And because we have the data, we recognize it needs to be done. We'll just do it. And many times we just don't even build a client for it. We're like, hey, we're just take care of this for you. And it's just included in our fee. You know, like some, like I, I, I literally yesterday I was having a meeting with a prospect and the lady said, well, you know, I hate dealing with this phone vendor because they're so hard to deal with. We're like, yeah, run into that as well. But just know that if we're working on your phone bills and you have an issue with a vendor and it may not be related to what we're doing, just call us. Like, we'll take care of it. We know how to get it done in their company we'll be able to manage through their pushback a lot more effective than you are. And we'll just take care of it and we won't send you a bill or it's all good. That's amazing. That's very cool. When you think about kind of your evolution, what's been the most like kind of best or most rewarding thing that's come out of your experience uh, with Silverback? The most rewarding thing going back to us you know, me buying it and then me buying out, if you will, and going on our own is just recognizing the the feelings that I had at that point, maybe some insecurity about, could I really do this and, and make a living doing this and do it on my own? Um, and looking back and being like, absolutely, I can. And I did a good job. That's got to be so empowering, I would imagine this thing. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's awesome, right? Like it's, it, it's just awesome. It's a great feeling. You got to temper that a little bit because you can't accomplish everything, right? But, but it's an awesome feeling. Yes. When, when you think about kind of the next generation of, you know, entrepreneurs, somebody that's listening to this podcast and they're thinking, do I have what it takes? You know, can I start my own business? What advice would you give to somebody that's listening and thinking about those questions? Yeah, here's my advice. You can't have your foot on the dock and on the boat at the same time. Push off from the dock, put your feet in the boat and go, and you'll do great. I was a guy that straddled the dock and the boat for a really, really long time, and I struggled to pull my foot off the safe footing of the dock, but I'm glad I did. Yeah. Okay. I love it. Jump. You'll be fine. Jump. Jump. You'll be fine. That's great. That's so great. Just a question. Do you, do you potentially regret not jumping sooner? You know, Kyle, I try not to look back and have regret. Um, I think everything comes at the right time. And, and I'm good with my timeline and when it happened. I don't have any regret about that. There is, a, there is a part of me that said, if I could talk to a younger Scott, if I wrote him a letter, I would write him a letter that says, just do it because you're going to be fine. Yeah. But I don't have any regret. That's, that's great. That's great. 
Scott, I cannot thank you enough for being on the Savage to Sage podcast. I I kind of lit up when you talked about how important relationships were for you and for your business. And uh, I thank you for the sage advice uh, that you provided for our audience today. And uh, I'm excited that you get to lead Silverback and all that that's brought to you uh, through the many years of development. So thank you for sharing your journey with us. You're welcome. Thank you, Kyle. Thanks for having me and keep up the good work. Thank you for listening to today's interview. To view show notes or hear more episodes, please visit www.savagetosage.com.